This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Her Vantage and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. Now, founded in 1992, Karen Barnes Dance offers high-quality dancing training in small groups and in Karen Barnes Dance, each student receives an individualized education to ensure that each person is treated with respect. There's a lot more to the story. That's 30 years that we're going to talk about. I'm here with Karen Barnes, the founder of Karen Barnes Dance, to hear about journey and vision of the ballet industry in Malaysia. And it's more than just ballet, Karen. Yes, and, and that's a that sad part really because most people don't realise that there's so much more to it than learning to dance. Right. I think that it doesn't get sufficient coverage really. If we talk about sport I think everyone understands that there is a lot of sustained training that has to go on how if you miss training it will impact your fitness and all sorts of things to do with that but with dance every newspaper has a sports page but not every news paper has a dance page. Right. If you, huh, if you put it that way. But we'll get into that a little bit more. But a little bit about yourself, Karen. 30 years with this dance school, but, you know, how did you get into dance yourself? That would be through my mum. My mum had quite a large dance school in England, in Macclesfield, in Cheshire. Having a mum as a dance teacher, probably it was predestined <laughs> that I would dance. Though I do have to say that eventually, when I had trained a little longer, she did say to me, Okay, now's the time to chat. If you're going to continue, then you need to do it properly, which meant regular practice and a proper commitment. So I did have a choice of stopping or doing it properly. And of course, you did it properly. I did it properly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this was before we get into how you got into Malaysia, the whole journey of how it started. So you would have started really young and gotten yourself qualified. How did it go? Yeah. Well, I think when I was 14, I decided that I wanted to be a professional dancer, which is easier said than done because it's very niche. You have to really be the full package, Uh, not only a good dancer, but you have to be the right height. I suppose it's politically incorrect nowadays, but you have to be the right shape and you have to fit the bill. So I was very lucky that my mum, on the times where I felt that I was lazy and maybe didn't want to train, that my mum insisted that I stick to the agreement and because of her, I became good enough for it to be a career option, which I'm very grateful for, because for many people, it doesn't become an option. There is some type of drawback. So I wanted to dance as soon as I could. My mum wanted me to go to college and do my A-levels. <laughs> I really didn't fancy that. I wanted to get on with it. So unbeknownst to her one day when she was out I went through one of the trade papers that we have in the UK the stage and television and I found myself an audition in England because I was still only 16 going to 17 I couldn't go abroad which is what all British dancers wanted to do in those days and I found an audition so it started from there. Right. And of course, how did you end up in Malaysia, though? I married a Malaysian. Right. But, you know, that whole journey. Of oh, I see from the dance point of view. Yes, yes. yes. Well, I we performed here. We did a tour of Asia, really. Hong Kong, Japan, Singapore, Malaysia and Indonesia. And then you yeah. end up here. And I ended up here. Yeah. So what made you decide to start the dance school? 
Well, your dance career is not really long. I suppose, like any athletic skill, by the time you reach 30, you are considered old. (laughs) And particularly with dance, if you're on stage with an 18-year-old and you are 30, the audience will start to see the difference, uh, particularly in the face. So... I came to the end of my career. I was still dancing until I was 30. So I danced for 12 years. And in fact, I started doing professional shows when I was 12 years old. Wow. So my mum wanted to make sure that it was really what I wanted to do because it's very competitive. By 30, I was here and I was choreographing for Kuala Lumpur Dance Theatre. So when you did this, did you think you would be teaching though? Never, (laughs) never. I always told my mum I would never teach her. I don't like children. (laughs) (laughs) And these are what we we call the famous last words. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And never say never. (laughs) I did it because things were a little difficult Mm. with the local Malaysian dancers. Right. For you as a foreigner. No, with them as an attitude. Right. I had come from, I guess, guess you would describe it as a European dancer's background. Mm -hmm. There's a certain way that we conduct rehearsals. Mm -hmm. There's a certain length of time we rehearse for. And what happened with the Malaysian dancers, they didn't like to rehearse until the performance was tight. Right. They only liked to learn the choreography and then Okay. Leave it at that. It's practice, practice, practice. Well, it is. It, it needs to be tied. It mm. needs to be synchronized. And while the audience may not know the reason that they've not really liked something when they watch it, yeah. this is a type of thing that, right. that it is. Yeah. So with yeah. your dance school, it's more than just ballet. It's all the dancers. It's all the theatrical dancers. Right. So the theatrical section encompasses a ballet tap, modern, modern stage, Mm. and contemporary. The tap, there are two types of tap. There is the stage branch tap and national tap. And in fact, I was the first person in Malaysia to teach national tap. Oh, and what's the difference between, I didn't know there are two types of taps, or maybe there could be more, but what's what's the difference? The national tap is a a lot more athletic. Right. The stage branch tap is much closer to the floor and not so that there's movement, but in national tap, you do a lot of jumps and leap. You see, what happened was there was a lady by the name of Maud Wells uh, who went to America on the ship in the early 20th century and she learned tap from the Negroes. Then she came back to England and she combined what she learned with the rhythms and the steps with the upper body from the ballet. Because Mm. the modern didn't exist yet. Mm. The modern came from the US in the 50s. So she combined it together with a lot of the ballet moves. And my mom actually learned from her. So I get very excited when my mom's in Malaysia because if she teaches some of my students tap, they're getting it from somebody who Who, learned from the... From the source. Yes, exactly. From the source. Yeah. You know, there's so much more I want to ask, like, you know, what's popular, what's, you know, most requested for, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm here with Karen Barnes. Stay tuned to Her Vantage, BFM 89.9. Folk Metal, BFM 89.9. 
this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Her Vantage, and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. We're talking about dance today. I'm here with Karen Barnes from Karen Barnes Dance, who's been in Malaysia since 1992, so 30 years. That's a long time, right? And you were just saying earlier on the different types of dance. There's ballet, there's tap more than one type of tap. So when you have students coming in, is it still the ballet that most parents would send their kids to? I don't think there's a trend. Mm. The most difficult thing is when a parent requests for training but they don't want ballet. Okay. That's the hardest part because really for theatrical dance, ballet is the foundation. The foundation, yeah. okay. So while most People assume that they're just going to take dance for a hobby. Obviously, there's a certain amount that it turns into a career choice. Mm. Yes, given it's a small percentage. But, you know, if they haven't had that ballet foundation, when they get to the mid-grade in modern stage or tap or even contemporary, they're going to struggle. Right. Yeah. Okay, so, because you haven't got your foundation. No, that's right. Because it's the, basically the strength, really. Right. Okay. Yeah. And you, your location is in a home. Yes, in a, in a house. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and why is that? You feel that people are more relaxed. Uh, well, the, I, I like it f- the environment for the children. Right. Because you know, if you're in a shop house, a building. You know, they can't see the garden. They Mm. can't see very much of flowers, trees, shrubs. And so for me, when they look out of the window, if they can see something serene, I think it's helpful. And we also have a large kitchen. There's a huge table. They can sit down and eat together. We have a patio where they can go out and take some fresh air and just have some time out in between training and bathrooms and showers. And yeah, right. So it feels homey. Almost. Yes, yes. Right? And I'm sure you've got kids right now whose parents came to you. No, I have a kid whose parent danced when I was choreographing. Right, okay. But I don't have any... No, no not, yet. Not, not yet. yet. not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but a lot of my girls moved away. Right. Yeah. By one of my girls, one of my first batches in Singapore, Lexi, um, she's got two children now. Right. But Singapore's like a bit too far to go right. for a dancing lesson. And do you see them after... After perform a learning how to dance, taking this up professionally, and they don't, right? What would be the challenge? Why didn't they not make that transition to doing this professionally? Well, assuming they were good enough. Mm. So for dance, you would have to be blessed with quite a few things. The bodies, to a degree, you can always change. Mm. You can turn mediocre feet into good feet with the correct exercises, for example. But you would also, for dance, need to be, well, intelligent, really. Mm. You have to be quick because if you're a professional dancer and your choreographer is choreographing you need to learn it really fast Mm. because if a show is not up and running with an audience then that's money right so they can't take a long time to learn things because they need to generate income so you need to learn quick and we need to get up and running so you, you need that level of intelligence and you need to be the type of person that is willing to repeat things again and again until you get it right, which I feel now in the environment of everything is quick and fast paced Mm. and Googling and, Mm. you know, it's getting harder. Mm. It's getting harder for young people to accept that with dance, there is not a shortcut. But I would say in Malaysia, the biggest stumbling block is the parents. If they were to choose, if they wanted to choose dance as a career. Right. The parents would say, no, stick to your, try and test it. That's right. 
There's Doctor, no career. engineer, accountant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Some things it's, don't change. No. So are there enough opportunities for dancers in Malaysia? I mean, in terms of performances? In or? terms of performance, there are not. Mm. And that's been something that's been very disappointing for me mm. because I came here first in 1984. Mm. I didn't open the school till 92, as you know. And I really thought that I would see some type of transition towards it. Mm. I saw it with music, with the Philharmonic. Mm. I haven't really seen it with dance. Right. Okay. Yeah. And having been around for 30 years, right, how have you changed or pivoted or grown, you know, with 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 times? times, Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) I find I have to do much more justification now. Okay. When I was growing up, I am assuming it was the same for you, that if your mum, for example, said something or your teacher said something, you did it. Right. You just did it because... You just did it. were in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not quite like that now. I find that I have to give reasons. Okay. Yeah, give reasons why. And then when we understand... Right then they will cooperate. Mm. So that's changed a little. Um, I've noticed that their memories are really bad nowadays. I can say that, I know it sounds terrible, but the reason is the syllabus has little changed. Say, for example, the ballet syllabus. Mm. The ballet syllabus has little changed since my mum did it 80 years ago. Mm. Okay, tiny things, a count here, a count there, or an arm movement, but Really, it's not, it's the same. Nothing major. Yeah. So as a great benchmark, I could choose any age, like, for example, a 10-year-old. And I can tell you about a 10-year-old in 2023. I could tell you about a 10-year-old 10 years ago, Mm. 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Okay. And you can see quite a decline Hmm. in remembering what they're doing. It's the phones. I blame it on the phones. Oh, I think you're absolutely right, Frida. <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it, no, it certainly is. It's information technology. There's many positive parts, but mm. that is the negative part. Right. And they have more trouble in understanding mechanics because dance encompasses so much. It encompasses physics. Mm. It, it encompasses anatomy. Right. There's a lot of understanding to do. The multitasking, well, I can't honestly think of anything else that you have to do so much multitasking mm. because every part of your body from your head to your toes mm. has to be in a certain place at a certain time and you have to be using a certain muscle set Mm. to execute what you're doing while you're looking very pleasant. (laughs) Are are, are kids like, you know, because of the publicity it gets, are they more people doing gymnastics then, to your knowledge? I don't know. I would would guess that Mm. they're more going towards K-pop and street and freestyle because it's not so technical. Right. But because it's not so technical, you don't get the ultimate outcome you'd get because not only if you train long enough, not only do you dance well, but you're a good time manage- manager, mm. you are a good leader, but you can work in a team as well. Right. You're detailed, you're analytical. All these things come in right. to dance. And in terms of marking your school, has it been largely word of mouth? All word of oh, mouth. All word yeah. of mouth, okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I know you do these annual performances. Yes, we right. do. Okay. 
That's um, usually end of the year sort of thing. No, that's normally the first half of the year because a lot of juggling goes on. Because mm. while I have a small school and really it's been designed that way, I want to keep the classes small. It's very important mm. that I know each and every child. Each child is tracked. Mm. Every day we have a meeting, myself and my teachers and assistants, about each individual child who needs what help. So it's stayed small through word of mouth. It's, it's a conscious effort. Yeah. You feel that it's attention given to, to the students and they need that attention. I feel so. Right. I feel so. Because if you've got a class of 20 mm. as opposed to a class of seven, mm. You can really get to know the person, particularly when they get into much higher grades. It's a very, very challenging. Mm. So if you can get to know them, how their mind works, then you can approach them in the right way because it's not one size fits all. Right. I guess, you know, having done this for 30 years as a school, you know, wish list, right? If How would you like to see this space develop? You know, if you were to be the minister of dance, <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to see evolve and change and improved? You know, I think it's really... Uh, the teachers are here in Malaysia. Mm. The teachers are here. The schools are here. But I don't feel as if the public at large really understand the value of dance training. So I think the first thing would be to let people know really what it is. Mm. The tragic part is that most parents will use the term, it's only dance. Okay. Yeah. Right. And it really isn't. It will change somebody's character and personality if they train long enough. They will not evolve into the same person that they are if they had not done it. Right. Because you, you do, like you said, learn teamwork. You do learn discipline. Right. You do learn attention. Yes. Okay. Concentration. You, concentration yeah. because the phone's away from you for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. And these are things that just take go with you whatever field you go into. That is right. That is so right. Mm. Um, you would, an employer should embrace somebody who's had a substantial dance training right? because they will burrow away at something mm. until it's exactly the way it should be. They won't be late. They'll be able to manage their time. They won't complain about 16-hour days. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very good grounding. Right. I mean, fortunately, in the UK... A lot of the dance exams Mm. from grade two are now accredited by the Ministry of Education. Right. So each examination will gather points for tertiary education. That's what the Minister of Dance will say (laughs) if you link it back to to education, because Um, it is education. Well, I think they had to do it because, like I keep saying, the parents don't fully understand what the children are doing. So they tried to pin it. They've pinned certain grades to mm. certain British academic exams. And for example, the last exam is advanced two. Mm. So if we talk about ballet advanced two, uh, there are certain university courses. If you have passed your advanced two, they would l- allow you to miss the first year of university right. and start at the second year. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you would have 
cover the basics. Wow. Well, because they understand that, that you are a hard worker, you've right. got a level of intelligence. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, that would yeah. be interesting if we moved in a direction because, you know, it all works together, right? Mm-hmm. Art and science, it all mm-hmm. works together. And if you can find that, that perfect combination. Um, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add that I haven't asked you yet? I know you've got your bespoke learning experience. I guess like one of the things that you had to do in terms of what happened during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was quite fortunate, actually, because I'd already been doing some remote training. Ah. Um, I have, I still have. Yeah, the vision. <laughs> I have a girl in Boston. Right. Who's one of my ex-girls. Right. And she went to Boston University. She looked around Boston. She'd already qualified. She had already finished her advance too in modern stage and ballet. But she couldn't find a place in Boston that was giving her what she was looking for. Wow. So we started doing remote. Okay. Yeah. Started doing remote. Um, I don't quite... I like Zoom. Right. So what I do is, for her, anyway, she would video her work, mm. send it to me. Mm. I'll watch it, study it, and then certain parts of it I will screenshot. I'll draw diagrams on right. it. I will text her message or leave a voicemail. And the reason I like that is because she has something to refer to right? if she needs to. So I've been doing that. And then I'd also got another girl in Melbourne who was one of my ex-girls. She was training in Melbourne with me, same method, and another girl in India. So when the pandemic came, I sort of knew what I was going to do. Um, The only thing was, this was quite much more voluminous than Mm. three, but I decided that my kids were all locked up mm. and times were not normal. So I needed to sacrifice my time right. for as much as I could. So I said to the parents, right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to send each and every exercise one by one. Two of my girls locked down with me, demonstrated and talked through everything ah. and sent it to everybody from four years old to 16 years old. And then they would send me back their work. Ah. So at one point I was doing four or five hundred videos a day that were coming in. But and I said to the mums, you know what? Anytime. Mm. Because we're all in a strange situation. So sometimes videos are coming at 1 a.m. Mm. or sometimes they come at 6 a.m. <laughs> but that was okay because everybody was... Uh, at home anyway. Oh, well, yeah. And everybody's <laughs> going through something. So right. you needed to be understanding. And right. that worked really well. Yeah, we, we actually ended up ahead. Right. Because everyone was being taught one by one. Okay. And what is this young dancer benevolence? Oh, right. Well, this is when we try to do something for... Uh, orphanages uh, we have been before and painted we have raised money for washing machines it's no particular place but Mm. it's any place Mm. that needs some help Mm. that if we can do it we will yeah Uh, anything you'd like to add Karen no, I don't think so. I've covered every. I've covered your yeah. life story. I've covered thirty years, have I? Yeah, <laughs> more or less, more or less. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for your time. I've been speaking to Karen Barnes from Karen Barnes Dance, and you've been listening to her Vantage BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind. Download the BFM app.